Heavenly Father, we do thank you uh, for your word. We thank you for your prophets and apostles. Uh, we thank you that we can know um, that these words we're reading are true. We thank you for Peter and his eyewitness to the glory of our Lord Jesus. Um, we thank you for the truth of your word. We pray that as we um, read it, uh, that you would speak to us by your spirit, uh, open the ears not just our physical ears, but really speak to us deeply at the very core of our being. Change our hearts uh, for your glory's sake. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I'll make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honour and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I feel like the world is out of control right now. Climate change, Brexit, Sudan, gun control, Syria, the refugee crisis, Trump, Boris, Zika, ISIS, Newoz government, gender fluidity, and that's not even taking into consideration my own house. Hashtag status anxiety. That was a friend's Facebook status update from late last year. And we live in a world of uncertainty, don't we? But has that not always been the case. Let's think about when Peter was writing his letters. Nero was Roman emperor. He ruled between AD 54 to 68, where it's considered approximately the time Peter was writing. 
He was an eccentric, excessive, compulsive and corrupt character. He blamed Christians for the great fire of Rome of AD 64. And he did some pretty nasty things to Christians to, to punish them or to set them up as an example of, of the, the punishment um, that they apparently deserved. So Peter and the readers of his letters lived in a time of great social and political uncertainty. And they're also facing, within 30 or 40 or so years of Jesus' death, theological uncertainty. If you read on in, in 2 Peter sometime, in chapter 2, Peter um, mounts a fierce attack against certain uh, false teachers. He doesn't really explain who they are, but if you read it, it's quite, quite a vicious attack. And then even looking at the first part of this chapter, we can see Peter's concern that his readers may become ineffective or unproductive, or perhaps they'd be nearsighted or blind. And in many ways, the problems we face today are similar to those faced by Peter and his readers. Do, do we ever feel all at sea when everything else in this world seems uncertain and fluid? Who and what can we trust? Do we sometimes fear stumbling in our faith? What can we be certain of? What is our firm foundation, our solid ground? Well, in your leaflets, there's an outline. We're going to look at the solution Peter, I think Peter gives his readers. And we're going to consider two ways to access that. And then we're going to think a little bit more about another reason why it is so important. I think Peter's solution can be seen in verse 10. Therefore, my brothers, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Now, this morning, I'm not going to go into the hows, whys and wherefores of election and free will. I do believe that ultimately scripture does confirm that we are called and elected to salvation by that gracious work of God in Christ. But the problem is, how do we make every effort to confirm something done for us by someone else? And I think the clue is in the first part of um, in the, is in the first part of the chapter, in verse 5. Those of you who've got Bibles, either on devices or in front of you, Peter exhorts his readers to make every effort to add to their faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection and love. He's already reminded them in verses 3 and 4 that the great and precious promises that in Christ mean they already have everything. Not, not a little bit of everything, or some of what you need, or not even most of what you need. But he says you have everything we need for a godly life. 
And this reminding that Peter does, this question of memory, that is the, the solution, the key to our response to what God has done for us and is doing for us in our lives. And you can see it again in verse 12 and the first part of verse 13. So I will always remind you of these things. Even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth, you now have. I think it's right to refresh your memory. Now in the Greek, Peter's actually saying something more like, I'm going to keep on reminding you of these things. It's an ongoing process. It's not just a once remind you of this, but I'm going to keep on reminding you. But Peter says his readers are firmly established, as he puts it. They know these things already. Why is he reminding them even though they know them? Well, Peter knows as fallen people, we are prone to forget even the simplest, most basic things or the really important things. Now, I don't know if you can read those cartoons. On the, on the left, it's the, the dinosaurs sitting on a rapidly disappearing hill watching the, the ark float away. Oh, dear, was, was that today? And then on the, on the other side, um, the, the person rummaging around, looking for her cell phone as she's talking on her cell phone. I've got to go. I can't find my cell phone anywhere. Has, has anyone been in that situation? You know, looking for the glasses that are on the top of your head or the pen that's tucked behind your ear. We forget things so easily. Peter has already warned in verse 9 that anyone who is not growing in their faith has forgotten that they have been cleansed from past sins. But, but why are these reminders so important? Why is Peter appealing to, to memory? How does it confirm our election and calling? Well, I think when we're comfortable and going well, we can, I think, tend to forget that our circumstances are actually a blessing from God. And perhaps we can be tempted to think our achievements are through our own skill and effort. When we face challenges or difficulties, we can easily forget God's past faithfulness. We can only see the detours and the dangerous path. It's therefore really important to remember both the challenge of the climb and the joy of victory, and in them both the presence of our travelling companion who has promised never to leave or forsake us. Memory is also important in that it looks back to what has been done for us. So how does Peter remind us of what God has done for us in Christ? Well, there's two things I think I want to highlight today. And they are testimony and scripture. Now first is testimony, that personal account of what Jesus has done for us, or perhaps is doing for us in our lives. Sometimes people have this idea that testimony is that story of how you came to faith, and that is often a very important thing to share. 
But testimony can also be about what God is actually doing in your, our lives now. And that's worth thinking about, you know, as you share to perhaps non-Christian friends or with each other. You know, actually, what is God doing in our lives now, this week, this month? In verse 16, we see it. For, what, for we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honour and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. As um, Stephen so you know, very cleverly pointed out, this is not fake news. He was an eyewitness, um, not only of Jesus' life in, in the whole of his life, but a particular witness, eyewitness to Jesus' transfiguration. And I don't know if you remember that incident. It's in three of the four Gospels. Jesus takes three disciples up a mountain where his appearance changes to a dazzling white. Two other figures appear, Moses and Elijah, who speak with Jesus. And then a cloud descends and a voice is heard saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now it's interesting that Peter, out of all the incidents of Jesus' life, he he chooses now to recount this one. And I think there's two relevant reasons. Firstly, this is one of the few incidences that Peter was one of only three witnesses. It appears reading the Gospels that Peter, James and John were a sort of special if you like, leadership group within the disciples. And there's a few occasions where just the three of them go with Jesus away. The transfiguration, one of these moments, was not something that all the disciples saw, or or even the general public. This was a a special event that that Peter was one of only a few people who were eyewitnesses to. Second reason I think Peter chooses to recount this event is because it's one of two times when God himself confirms the identity, the the calling and election, if you like, of Jesus himself, the other being Jesus' baptism. So our testimony of what God has done and is doing in our lives is so important. Someone might want to argue the accuracy or veracity or truth of events, but it's really hard to argue with someone who was there. It's also hard to argue with the effect that that, those events had on a person. Our testimony is an important part of confirming our calling and election. An example of this, if you like, can be found in John 9, in the story of the man born blind. Jesus heals a man born blind by making some mud 
and putting it on his eyes, and then telling him to go away and wash it off in the pool of Siloam in Jerusalem. Now, as this occurred on a Sabbath, this really annoys the Pharisees, of course. So they firstly question the man, and then his parents, trying to work out what's happened, who did this. They go back to the man born blind, who, you have to remember, has not yet seen Jesus. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. The man born blind replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. There's his testimony. And they can't argue with that. One thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. It's quite amusing as you read on. The Pharisees get more and more confused and angry. And the man born blind actually becomes more confident in himself and his, what has happened. And then following on from that story, a little later, Jesus seeks out the man. Jesus heard that they'd thrown him out, and when they found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. So following on from his testimony... It's as if Jesus goes to him to confirm and reassure the man and build up his faith in him. So that's the first thing for helping us to remember and to confirm our calling and election is the testimony. And the second is scripture. Some might argue that testimony is okay. Well, that's true for you, but doesn't doesn't make any impact for me it it doesn't have any relevance to me however scripture is even more important scripture itself is of course littered with many commands to remember or mark and warnings not to forget what God has done for his people look at verse 19 Peter tells his readers we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable and you do well to pay attention to it as a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts above all you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things for prophecy never had its origin in the human will but prophets though human spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So of more importance than man's witness and testimony is the testimony of God himself through his word. It's not entirely clear whether Peter's, when Peter talks about the prophetic message, is he talking about the Old Testament prophets or is he is he including the Old Testament or just the the um, the first five books of the the Old Testament or is he including his own writings it's not really clear but I think he's probably referring to the the Jewish Bible the the first five books and the prophets and the histories 
But the truth that he does mention does apply to the writings of what we now consider the New Testament. Our ongoing reading of all of God's word in scripture, both old and new, should act, as Peter suggests, as a light in the darkness of our lives, in the darkness of all that uncertainty around us. It should speak to us as the bright star of a new day and a new life in Christ. God's word is what we can cling to when the circumstances or feelings perhaps cause us to doubt our calling and election. It's completely reliable, Peter writes, and we would do well to pay attention to it. In a world of instability and uncertainty, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, Peter tells his readers. Our ongoing, continuing remembrance, whether in the form of testimony or through God's word, should establish again and again what God has done in our lives and confirm our calling and election. For if you do these things, says Peter, you will never stumble. But there is another reason for continuing to make that effort, to remember what God has done for us. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Now, in the uncertainty of this life, we're sometimes told that the only certain things in life are death and taxes. Well, it seems that taxes chop and change and people can get away, big companies can get away with tax evasion and what have you. So, but I've never yet anyone who has defeated the certainty of death. Even Peter himself realises that this. If you look at verses 13 and 14, he says, I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know I will soon put it aside. Peter knows his death is approaching. If you're here this morning as someone who hasn't yet put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, you're not only living in the uncertainty of this life, but there is uncertainty in the life to come. For in Christ, not only are there the resources to have confidence and security in this life, but God provides the certainty of an abundant, rich, lavish entry into his eternal kingdom. And we're not talking about sneaking in as the the door closes and, and finding standing room at the back. Scripture tells us that God's eternal kingdom heaven, the life to come, for those who trust in Jesus for their salvation, is a banquet, it's a party, it's a wonderful celebration. Now is that not worth investing at least a little time and effort to think about? Life is fragile and uncertain. Jesus stands at the door and knocks. He's calling us. He's calling all of us. If you have yet to put your trust in him, 
please do come and speak to me after this service. I'd love to talk to you more if you still have questions or doubts. And I pray that all of us here today will continue to make every effort to confirm God's calling and election in our lives in order that we would never stumble and we would all receive that rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.